We need to go tomorrow. Tomorrow? You heard me. Go where? Anywhere. It has to be tomorrow. Tomorrow? We can't wait. We'll never have a better chance. You sound insane. No, listen to me. They don't have enough guards, and they know it. They're afraid. Right now, they're afraid. Afraid? Afraid of what? They just killed a hundred men to keep them quiet. What would you call that? I'd call that power. Power? Power doesn't panic. Five thousand men are about to find out they're never living here alive. Don't you think that worries them upstairs? Whatever we're making here is clearly something they need. They can't afford to be surprised again. Once again, Bucketheads, Mavar Tigar. Welcome to the 182nd bathroom breaking episode of Mandovision. Not in that way. Nargai Tom, and thank you so much for checking out this small, independent Star Wars podcast. We're so glad you're here. Remember, the best way to reach out to us is, of course, on social media. We're at Mando underscore Vision on Twitter and Instagram. You can email the show Mando, at MandovisionTom at gmail.com. Please make sure you're liking, subscribing, following, and sharing the show. With all the Mandalorians in your covert. How is everyone doing? Welcome back to another uh, Andor Wednesday. Again, I still don't like the way that rolls off the tongue, but well, you know, what are you going to do about it? I'm a much more of an alliteration guy, and Andor Wednesday is not going to work for that. Um, <laughs> but another thrilling installment of the show has dropped today, and we're here to get into it. Uh, it just, and, and I mean, think about this. This is a Star Wars show that opens up with an old man being zipped into a body bag this week. That's right, Johnny. They did indeed put him in a body bag. And, I mean, talk about setting the tone for your episode. Like, oh yeah, we're starting with the dead guy here because this episode's about to get heavy. Things are happening. Things are moving. Things are popping. And they teased it at, in, in, at the conclusion of last week's installment. And now it's here. The prison break that we've all been waiting for. Uh, it, and, and uh, spoilers, I think it lives up to its expectations. It is. It is a tense, dangerous mission on on the screen, and and we were here for every single second of it, and I was delighted by what I saw, and and a touch of, a twinge of tragedy too, right? We you know, we know, and we're going to see an imperial prison break, uh, and it can't go well for everyone involved, and it does not, and then it ends on even a more tragic note. We'll, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about all the other aspects of this show. 
uh, that could pop up this week is not just focused on Narkina 5. No, no, no. We get a lot of stuff. We get to spend some time, a little time on, on Ferex. We get to check in with our friends at the ISB, at Mon Mothma's situation, uh, and the return of Luthen Rail to the screen. A uh, little little time away from Luthen last week, and now we're catching up with him and seeing. Uh, uh, and it's interesting, because as, as tense as the prison break was, uh, the scene with Luthen on, on Kafring, uh, a Kafre is was just, ooh, just, just an actor doing his, you know, just living his best life. <laughs> just owning this part. Like he, Silence Garzard, prior to uh, Andor being released and us getting to watch it, you know, he can see sort of talked in some interviews, like, you know, he wasn't doing this to be in Star Wars. He was doing this because he wanted to work with, with Tony Gilroy and, and the writing team that he assembled. And he is just bringing the thunder in, in his role as, as Luthen Rail. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about everything else going on in the show. Let's go ahead and get our particulars out of the way. This is Andor Season 1, Episode 10, One Way Out. The, the, the mantra of this episode, the coda that the prisoners adopt for the show. Uh, the original air date is today, November 9th, 2022. Written once again by Bo Willimon, directed by Toby Haynes. Our plot for this week's episode, a rare opportunity opens and the time for Cassian and his fellow inmates to act is now, and uh, that could not be more on the button. Uh, our cast is our principal cast is week: Diego Luna, Stellan Skarsgård, Genevieve O'Reilly, Andy Circus, and Andy Circus another stellar performance in this episode as well. He was another standout in the in a what could possibly be the best episode of the series so far. I mean, we'll we'll talk about that at the end of, of season one here in a couple weeks. But my goodness gracious, holy Toledo! All right, let's go ahead and get into it. You know what that means. It is time. Strap on your buckets. Let's go. They'll never be less guards than tomorrow. You know that. I'm programmed. Every day we wait, they get stronger. It might be wise to have a plan. We have a plan. Oh, are you, you and Burlock and Melchie. You don't have time to be stupid. Come on. The plan works around a new man coming down. They'll replace Olaf tomorrow. That might not happen again until it's too late. I'd rather die trying to take them down than die giving them what they want. We won't have a better chance. It has to be tomorrow. Well, as you know, the bulk of the episode takes place on Narkina 5 in the prison complex, but there's a lot of things uh, moving around, kind of getting set up for whatever the end game will be for this first season here. Uh, so I kind of wanted. We'll just check in with some of our other storylines and, and, and give a little update. Because we are going to spend a, a good amount of time on some of the bigger elements of the show. Narkina 5 being being the primary one. Uh, but we want to check in on Ferex first. We find out that Marva's health is deteriorating. And Cinta's lurking, observing, and, and in my opinion, looking rather sinister. Um, I'm sort of wondering if maybe she's, she's getting a tad impatient. Uh, waiting to see if Andor will show up to check in on on his adopted mother here, um, and I'm wondering if maybe Cinta will take things into her own hand in an effort to sort of draw Cassian back to Ferrex at some point. But interesting, interesting stuff to note there. Uh, that was probably one of the smallest portions of the show. We also find that there are are some Imperial officers, or agents lurking around as well, observing, trying to blend in and 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 see just what's going on at Ferex as they're attempting to smoke out Cassian Andor as well. So, again, the two elements looking for Andor, watching Marva's house, observing, taking notes, 
But it looked like, like I said, from my, and again, I'm I'm just reading into what the actor's putting out there. But it, to me, it sort of seemed like Senta might be the one to act before the Empire does. Um, we'll have to monitor that situation, I'm sure. We'll get some clarity in the next week or two. All right? Uh, we, we spent a decent amount of time on Coruscant as well. Uh, particularly with the ISB, because they're very early in the episode. We find out that their plan uh, with the dead pilot is working. The ship is picked up on Khafre. Uh, Anton Krieger's pilot and his, excuse me, uh, in his plot to attack Spellhouse is in play. The ISB, what they what they threw out there as part of their trap is now working. Uh, it is it is when ISB supervisor Lonnie Jung suggests that the ISB pretend to investigate this in order to keep up the charade, and Major Partagas agrees. Now, this is the first time we're really seeing uh, Lonnie Jung take any sort of initiative in the episodes. We've seen him in the past. He's been at all the meetings. He's been in the room. Uh, he's been there for, for all of Dead Romero, uh, trying to do her <laughs> her climb, her ascension in the ranks of the ISB. Uh, but he's, he'd been very much a background character. Today he steps up to the front with this idea to pretend to investigate the uh, the, the dead pilot and what's going on in Cafre. And... and Again, all this is part of the act to make the Anton Krieger believe that things are a-okay. No one's aware of what's going on here. They're just doing their this routine investigation, and that means it's above board, so they don't know anything. There is no trap. So they're doing what the, what the rebels would suspect the Empire to do. But again, this is the first time we're seeing Lani Jung uh, step to the foreground, so you, you have to pay attention to that. Is this just another ISB officer trying to climb the ladder, or is there more going on with this character? And we find out very quickly by the end of the episode what exactly is going on with this character. Uh, from here, we also get to spend a lot of time, the, the meeting that was foreshadowed last week. Mon Mothma and Tay Colma meeting with Davo Skolden. Uh, in case we are forgetting, uh, Mon referred to Davo uh, as a thug last week. It seems to be uh, his money's not super legitimate. Maybe some shady revenue sources, maybe a bit of a criminal, mafia guy, Chandrillon gangster of some sort, perhaps. We're, we're kept in the dark a little bit about that. Their, their conversation opens up with some uh, kind of interesting Chandrillon culture stuff, right? Like a lot of the, the, the customs of marriage, the way the, the boundaries of the arranged marriage and how it can be, in Davo's mind, liberating. And Mon is just sort of playing the politician. She's putting up with this. She doesn't want this meeting. She doesn't want to be in business with Davos Skulded, but she knows that she has to figure out a way to move these, the, the, move her funds around to support Luthan Rail's rebel, rebel network uh, and avoid imperial scrutiny, imperial detection, and just the Empire, the empire putting their nose in, in her finances. So again, they have this charity. They're, they're going to Davo to, you know, work around the system, exploit some of the... the, the loopholes that, that the Empire is un unaware they even have. Uh, and he's willing to move Mon's charitable funds, uh, but there's a price. And, and what is his price? Well, let's let's go ahead and play the clip from that, because I thought this was very interesting. And this is one of those moments. Um, it, and it's... Hmm. What is the best way to put this with for, for everyone out there? I have talked many times, often, especially in the early days of the, of the podcast, how... I really wanted there to be that. I thought I thought there could be like a Game of Thrones style Star Wars show, uh, particularly centered around like the Mandalorians in particular. But in this episode of the show, in this clip we're about to play right here, 
this might be one of the most Game of Thrones things they've ever done in Star Wars. And it's it's centered around Mon Mothma. And so I find that infinitely fascinating. So let's go ahead and play the clip as as, as Davo uh, tells Mon the terms of, of his assistance in moving her funds around. What will it cost? My fee. We assume it's a percentage of funds transferred. I want no fee. Money means very little to me at this point. Charity, isn't it? I insist. And I refuse. Please take no offense. I'd prefer not to owe any favors. I'd feel far more comfortable paying you for your trouble. A drop of discomfort may be the price of doing business. Let's have it. I'd like a return invitation. I'd like to come back here at least once. I'm sure that's something that can be arranged. I have a 14-year-old son. I'd like to bring him with me. You can't be serious. I I'm not asking for betrothal. Then what are we talking about? An introduction. Her daughter's 13. She'll soon come of age. Two young people, attractive and privileged Chandrillan citizens. What makes you think I approve of that tradition? Our position sometimes makes decisions for us, don't you find, Senator? Neither of us have lived a life that encourages nonconformity. Is that your only offer? I'm afraid so. Tay will see you out. Of course. So the price of doing business <laughs> with with Davos Golden will be very likely her daughter. <laughs> and and woo! Man, again, that is that is some Game of Thrones level stuff going on. Using your kid as as sort of like a like a bargaining chip to to expand your reach, to to expand your empire. Though in this case, it's it's to support the rebellion, to sort of attempt to destabilize the empire. Uh, will Mon Mothma, a person who has, as she talks about, she doesn't want to owe favors, she wants to stay above board. Mon is, we, we talked about it last episode too, Mon has tried very hard to keep her hands clean and, and to sort of be the very reputable side of things. Again, wants to support the rebellion, wants to support the settlers of the empire, but not directly, as, as covertly as possible. Again, her hands clean. This is... is <laughs> this is talking about forcing her to get her hands really in the muck uh, by by basically exploiting her daughter uh, for for a marriage that would give Davos Golden, in in Mon's word, a thug legitimacy by marrying into a highly prestigious Shandrillan uh, family, uh, <laughs> and that is quite the cost. And and Mon appears to have no time for that. But I want to pay the last part of the conversation to say that uh, maybe her kicking. Davo out isn't quite as clear-cut as it might seem on the surface. It's a lot to think about. I'm not thinking about it. That's the first untrue thing you've said. It's been a pleasure. Boom! Just fires a shot right out the window. <laughs> and again, Mon, throughout this conversation, Mon Moth has been very direct with what she requires from him. And it's very, again, very Mon Mothma-like. She's very above board and, and, and just trying to be as business-like as she can and direct because she wants this, this done and settled with. 
<laughs> and now she's put in a position where, again, it, it's going to be <laughs> how much how much does she want to get in her dress now? Uh, <laughs> and again, we've seen her daughter. Her daughter does not take kindly to uh, any suggestions of her mother's. So this could be very interesting moving forward. Uh, Davos also talks about how he knows Perrin from several encounters. So there might be some moving parts here that, that I, I really can't wait to see explored more fully. But again, the idea that Mon Mothma to, to a Luthan Rael's growing rebe rebel network uh, will have to barter off her, her daughter uh, to keep the funds away from uh, the prying eyes of the Imperials. So that's very, very interesting stuff. So we're going ahead and go, we're going to go to Narkina 5 now and discuss the prison break because... Uh, I initially had planned to talk about Luthen right now, but Luthen's stuff is so powerful uh, that I think I am going to save that for the end. So let's go ahead and check in on Narkina 5. And I mean, and this is probably the most action-packed sequence we've had on the show uh, since the Heist on All the Honey, right? Uh, this is the, the, the coming together of, of all the elements that we saw with, with Cassian still being called uh, <laughs> a Keef, by the way. Everyone still knows him as Keith on the on here. You get that get to hear that name quite a bit still. But you know, last week we saw him testing various elements. Him and other inmates trying to like devise weaknesses, find out that that platform was going to be a key element because it's not connected to the circuits of the floor. Cassian trying to uh, file his way into like the water pipe system so they can flood the floor and and achieve the results that they were hoping to get today, which they do, uh, which is to short out the floor and, and eliminate that as a as a threat against them that the guards can employ to to quash any sort of uprising within the prison complex but what's really interesting about about this whole thing is, is again you know we had that moment of, of, of Kino at, at the very end of the last episode finally kind of realizing that this is bad and giving Cassian what he wants to know about the guard numbers uh, but there's there's still a lot of doubt in, in Kino's mind about what to do what course of action to follow is this the right way uh, this sort of open rebellion against imperial authority and, you know, Cassian's really good at stoking his fires, but Cassian also knows that he needs Kino to, to rally the prisoners. Like, this plan isn't going to work if it's just his table trying to make their way out of the prison system. It's like, no, everyone has to know. And these, all these men, we have the numbers on our side. 5,000 men are about to find out they're never leaving here alive. And there's not enough guards to stop that. And and so the act, the plan springs into place. Again, the elements, we saw them all. They They were... They were there's not a lot of new elements, except now that Cassian has a way more support because of what happened with, with when Olaf dies and they get that information about, about the 100 men who were killed when, when, when one prisoner was sent back to them by mistake. And they realized that there was no escape, and now that word's gotten out. And, and the way it sort of is having like this galvanizing effect for Cassian, you know, he's seen, like, this is it. This is our opportunity. And, you know, his words do sort of inspire Kino about, about how... He'd rather die trying to fight them than trying to give them what they want. And, and it, it sort of galvanizes him. And Kino uses his, his sort of natural leadership abilities uh, when he gets on the microphone. And we hadn't really talked about it in the prior, previous episodes, that sort of like um, um, omnipresent voice of God kind of distorted voice that tells the prisoners when to, when to get ready for new, new stuff, new, uh, new inmates, you know, when the floor's going to go active. Uh, and then Kino gets on that system. Uh, so there's a little bit of a, of a voice distortion as he's now in charge of things, and and he has to kind of convince these prisoners is like no freedom's like in our grasp, but we have to do this. 
Uh, and but he's still a little bit unsure of himself. And it isn't until, again, Cassian is sort of the one poking hat at him to be like, you have to do this. It's got to be you. It can't be me. And, and I think that says a lot about Cassian, sort of recognizing what his role is in things, too. Like, not, not seeing himself as the sort of um, leader-type person to rally the forces, if you, if you could. You know? I mean, think about him in Rogue One. Who's he to defer the big speeches to? <laughs> not to himself. So he, he's sort of playing to his strengths now. And, and exploiting the weaknesses of the Empire is one of his strengths. But rallying the people around him is not one of them. So he needs Kino, and Kino has to start believing uh, in himself and in, in the idea of defying this totalitarian authority that's just in his face and is uh, taking his freedom away. And it, it's, a, it's a really powerful moment to watch Andy Serkis sort of transform and, and become this character, this, this leader of men. Um, and, and as he gives this speech, sort of the strength and the confidence that kind of grows with every word he delivers. Uh, I, I doubt I can play the whole speech, but I want to play parts of it. So, so check out a bit of it here as, as uh, Cassian is going to kind of poke the bear with, 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 uh, with Kino Loy here. Is that the best you got? How long we hang on, how far we get, how many of us make it out, all of that is now up to us. We have deactivated every floor in the facility. All the floors are cold. And that sort of like moment of trust with the inmates when they step out of their bunks to find the floor cold. Another just great moment as, as, as all of a sudden hope begins to sweep through the complex. Wherever you are, right now, get up. Stop the work. Get out of your cells. Take charge and start climbing. They don't have enough guards, and they know it. If we wait until they figure that out, it'll be too late. We will never have a better chance than this. And I would rather die trying to take them down than giving them what they want. We know. They fried a hundred men on level two. We know that they are making up our sentences as we go along. We know that no one outside here knows what's happening. And now we know that when they say we are being released, we are being transferred to some other prison to go and die. And that ends today. One way out. Right now. The building is ours. I'm just gonna stop right there because I'm just I am getting way too swept up in watching this again. It is so good, so stirring. There's so many wonderful moments, just little moments of, of sort of humanity. And and again, it's almost like a it's almost like a Shawshank kind of moment here in, in elements of the of this where this this idea of, of hope is kind of coming back to the prisoners here. And again, we don't know their crimes, we can, but I think we can rightly assume that a lot of them, like Cassian, probably weren't doing much. The Empire needs forced labor to develop its weapons of destruction, right? And we all assume, and I think we're probably on the right path here, that they're building something for the Death Star because they're under strict, strict deadlines and quotas and they need these things immediately. It makes sense that it's a Death Star component, right? 
like I said, it'd be fun if it was like some kind of, you know, imperial stop sign. But odds are, it's definitely Death Star components, right? So, again, the the, the little moments during this prison break uh, just just really hit hit they hit me in in a very profound way. Uh, uh, like when the, when the workers below, but <laughs> on the floor below, excuse me, when the water starts to drip down from the ceiling, and they know something different is happening, something's changing. You know that moment when, uh, when when Kino tells them that the floors are cold. Step out of your bunks and and let's get some freedom going on here. You know these little moments and seeing the, the doorways open before them and and them realizing that this is their opportunity, this is their chance, and the one way out mantra, the the coda that they all adopt as they're as they're making their way through the complex, and then other little moments too, like watching the handful of Imperial guards that remain hiding. In, in you know access corridors and, and little storage closets and things like that so they don't get just killed by these 5,000 people it's just it's very it's it's powerful it's stirring stuff it's, it's very galvanizing again you hope they're not releasing a bunch of murderers into the world but like I said I think it's a fair assumption that we can we can make that, that a lot of these people are just wrongly accused they were they were jaywalking and they got the book thrown at them by by the by the new prison sentences that that the Aldani heist or a consequence of, um, it's it's great stuff, and 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 the prison, the whole prison break sequence is, is just masterfully done, really well shot, really well acted. The music score, the way it uses itself at various points, where it'll just completely drop out, and you'll get to listen to the alarm blaring through the prison as as the the footfalls on the what metal stairway make their way around the chambers, and that and then when it swells for those emotional moments like this one, uh, when you need it the most, it just Extremely well done. Just a master class of, of how to do just really powerful cinematic storytelling. Uh, and, and I just was here to sop it up like gravy with a piece of bread. Uh, it was awesome. And and Andy Serkis brought thunder in this scene in particular. Uh, and then the, the tragedy, right? We we get to all these, all these men are making their way. They're trying to find their exit from this facility. And you know you don't get the easy way out, right? You don't just find like a cargo, like a, like a hangar full of cargo ships, and they all just take off and get out of there. Oh no, not so fast, my friends. This this is a very isolated Imperial facility, uh, so they have to jump, and they have to jump into the sea, and they have to swim to to the mainland, to, if they're gonna if they're gonna make it off. Uh, and we find out that Kino Loy cannot swim, and. Before he's able to even do anything about it, Cassian is, is sort of swept up with the other prisoners in the rush to get out. And he's unable to, uh, even if he could hear Kino, which we're, we're a little unclear if you've heard him correctly, he gets knocked off the, off the, off the platform into the ocean and is, is unable to even offer assistance if he could. Uh, so we, we're left wondering and at the end of this episode, does, does Kino even try to, to, to jump to freedom? Does he does he hope to find some kind of uh, imperial flotation device in the facility, or or does Kino stay there, resigned to his fate? Like he now just led a prison revolt and will surely be killed for it. Um, I, again, I you know I don't know. I, I want to think that Kino made the jump and he tried, and I want to think that maybe one of his prisoner friends helped him. But uh, you know there was a little bit of every man for himself in in that in the, in the rush for freedom. Uh, you know one of the tail ends of the of the of the show this week is is Andor and Melshi together on the run uh, so we know at least that, that Cassian and Melshi are together for for trying to get off planet here but yeah we, we're sort of left to wonder about the, the ultimate fate of Kino Loy um, and and if that is his final fate if he was 
unable to make the plunge because he didn't want to. He'd rather not drown. He'd rather take the the bolt to the head from the from the empire. I don't know. Uh, maybe we'll get an answer to that in a, an episode or two. That'd be fun to see. I want to believe that Kino Loy made the jump and survived, but that is a mystery for now. So, yeah, think about that. Pray for Kino Loy. So now we go to Cafre, and we see ISB supervisor Lonnie Young making his way around. Uh, seems to know his way around Cafre pretty well. Uh, and we're, we're, we're going to see what's going on there. We, we know that he talked about going to investigate to make sure that uh, uh, Anto Krieger believed that his plan was still safe and secure. And, and so he put that into play. But we also know that uh, someone made contact with Luthen Rail, and it doesn't take too long before we put the pieces together as when Lonnie Young reaches a elevator, a turbo shaft. I forget what they call them in Star Wars. <laughs> I'm going to call it a turbo shaft for now. <laughs> I don't think that's right, though. I think it is a, I think it's just an elevator. And uh, descends into the depths of, of, of Capre. Uh, he finds an earpiece and makes contact. And we find out very quickly that Lonnie Young is, in fact, a double agent working for Luthen Rael. Uh, he's been giving him information, and Luthen has been supplying him information as well so that he can advance Lonnie's career, climbs the ranks of the ISB, so he has an inside man in place who has access to valuable information and data that he needs to further his plans to destabilize and overthrow the Empire and to and by, build, by building his rebel network and his, his uh, uh, growing, expanding... Uh, malcontents and and <laughs> and uh, anarchists if you will and and so it's a it's a really great espionage kind of uh, tinker tailor soldier spy stuff going on here like this is the spycraft stuff that uh, I've, that that's really just delighted me in in the in the show uh, and so you have this face-to-face meeting uh the man who turned and created this double agent and the double agent who is now uh, feeling like he may crack like he's he's had enough and it's time to get out so it's, it, there's a lot to this conversation, and we're, we're going to kind of break it up and, and handle it in sections here. But, yeah, Lonnie Young wants out, and he's trying to tell uh, Luthen that he's done. It's over. He's got a kid now. Things are different. You know, the, the, the vow I took, uh, you know, I, I, I gave you everything I got. I got you know, I, I just told you about DiGermero. I told you about the plot against Bellhouse, uh, and I'm out. And, and Luthen is not accepting resignations. So what was your plan? Gather a big basket of goodies for me as a farewell gift? What were you planning to tell the ISP? My health. My wife's family has an import business. Even as you say the words, you know it's impossible. We can't let you go, Lonnie. We can't spare you. We've been grooming you for too long, and yes, you've been alone. Your career has profited greatly from information that we've provided. Information that cost me dearly. You love your daughter. Krieger's men will be dying to make sure she has a father. You're trapped, Lonnie. There's no pleasure in saying it, but you're going nowhere. My sacrifice means nothing to you, does it? All right, we'll pause it right there and get, get back into it. But 
Yeah, this again. It's and it's not just Stellan Skarsgård acting his pants off. Uh, this young man playing uh, Lonnie Young is is doing a great job too of, of sort of sort of showing the frayed nerves of of living life as a double agent. You know, uh, I mean, his almost his entire life is a lie, and and he can talk to no one about it because he works for the ISB. And if you think that the ISB doesn't watch their own people, you're crazy. You're crazy. Uh, so watching this performance as he's cracking, and Luthen having to sort of be blunt with the reality of the situation, but also still kind of keep him on the line, calling him a hero, playing to whatever fantasies he might have in his head of, of, of serving the greater good. Again, Luthen calls him a hero, a hero of the rebellion right now. Um, and th those are uh, not really terms that, that Luthen has used in the past. That's not the pitch he gave to Cassian Andor when he needed Cassian to help pull off the Aldhani heist. No, no, no. Uh, Luthen knows what strings to play for each person uh, that he is manipulating to get with it, to serve his ends, right? And, and to watch him, you know, play this, this man is, is completely fascinating. But I think there's also a, a, a glimpse in, into the window of, of Luthen Ryle's mindscape. And, and we'll hear a bit about that here in the next segment. And again, I may have to break it up here. Uh, but we'll play as much of it as we can. I said I think of you constantly, and I do. Your investment in the rebellion is epic. The double life, every day a performance, the, the stress of that. We need heroes, Lonnie, and here you are. And what do you sacrifice? All right, this is the part that I wanted to play coming up, but yes, that was the section of him playing Lonnie, you know, telling him a hero telling him what he wants to hear to kind of keep him where he needs him to be. But yes, now <laughs> we get into, uh, uh, we get that glimpse in, into Luthen and the way he sees things, the way he thinks of things, sort of the, the fate he's resigned himself to. Check it out. It's, it's good. Calm. Kindness, kinship, love. I've given up all chance at inner peace. I made my mind a sunless space. I share my dreams with ghosts. I wake up every day to an equation I wrote 15 years ago from which there's only one conclusion. I'm damned for what I do. My anger, my ego, my unwillingness to yield, my, my eagerness to fight. They set me on a path from which there's no escape. I yearn to be a savior against injustice without contemplating the cost. And by the time I looked down, there was no longer any ground beneath my feet. What is my, what is my sacrifice? I'm condemned to use the tools of my enemy to defeat them. I burn my decency for someone else's future. I burn my life to make a sunrise that I know I'll never see. Now, the ego that started this fight will never have a, a mirror or an audience or, or the light of gratitude. So what do I sacrifice? Everything! Just stay with me, Lolly. I need all the heroes I can get. Oh, deep breath, because that is just 
Stellar. Stellar is Stellar Stellan Skarsgård. That's what that is. Stellar Stellan Skarsgård. Make it a t-shirt. Let's do this. That was good stuff. And again, the sacrifice. We've, we sort of speculated on, on these things in prior episodes. He knows that he's sacrificed everything that he believes in. Decency, integrity, moral high ground. He's given it all up for this fight. And he knows that. And he is prepared to see it through to the end. Uh, and the lines he delivers, just so powerful. The, the talking about making his mind a sunless place. And, and it, the way he, he shares his plans with ghosts. Because everyone, that he, I would assume, that he knows and trusts and loves is dead. And probably at the hands of the Empire. And because the life he leads, he can't trust anyone else. You know, there's got to be secrets within secrets. Even even from, like, uh, uh, Clea, his assistant, who's, who's aiding him in these things. He probably keeps some information from her as well. Uh, just really great stuff. And the line he delivers here at the end, needing all the heroes he can get, uh, and I think this is when they cut to the shot of, of Cassian and Melshi fleeing across Narkina 5 uh, uh, because, you know, may- maybe, maybe Luthen has, has uh, judged Cassian's uh, skill set prematurely and is, again, he talked about his resourcefulness and how he admired it. Uh, Cassian Endor has shown himself to be far more resourceful and now his grudge against the Empire has only grown. And as he's watched these people die and sacrifice themselves, and and again he he's tr- Cassian himself has tried so hard to avoid being under the heel of the Empire, uh, but he just spent a lot of time with it right on his throat. So you you would think Cassian's perspective on things is going to be changed quite a bit as well moving forward here, and hopefully I would imagine we get some kind of reconciliation between Luthen and Cassian uh, before Senta does something horrific to to Marva. That's sort of where my head's going right now. But I'm loving this show, this sequence so much. Uh, again, st- a crazy great performance from Stellan Skarsgård, Andy Circus. Diego Luna is always fire, but the lines that 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 Circus and 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 Skarsgård get in this episode. Uh, Bo Willemon wrote his face off for this one. This is just brilliant Star Wars at its absolute finest. The show gets better every week. Uh, I, I, I can't heap enough praise on it. If people aren't watching the show, they are missing out, and it's up to us to encourage them to correct that mistake, to correct that oversight. Uh, Andor might be the best show on TV right now. I, and I, get, I get it. That's saying a lot. There's a lot of good television out there. But this show is so superior to so many things. And again, people see it as a Star Wars show, and they probably don't take it as seriously because they, they know that The Mandalorian and Book of Boba Fett aren't quite what this is and so maybe they think they know what they're getting from a star wars show and they are wrong and it is up to us to correct them to show them the light and put them on the path (laughs) because they will thank you later and even if they don't you've done a good thing you've been a good star wars fan and that is the key element to all this so uh, if you know people not watching andor help them out (laughs) help them out It is stuff like this that makes me so proud to be a star wars fan Holy smokes. I don't know if I can heap more praise on the show. We got to get out of here because I'm just, I, I'm, I, my, I'm just heaping effusive amounts of praise on the show. And, and you all know where I stand. I'm not telling you anything new. We're all here. We all believe in the same things. So let's go ahead and wrap up our show. Holy smokes, was this an episode, though, of Andor. I can't wait to see what's coming up next. Two episodes left for this season. And I do believe I will get to, to uh, deliver on my promise of having 
every episode reviewed on the same day that it drops. I believe that is in the cards, and that will happen. It might be the last time I get to do this, but it will happen for the rest of Andor. So that's good news. All right, let's go ahead and get out of here. I want to thank everyone for taking the time to download, stream, listen to the show. I, I really appreciate it. If you're new to the show, welcome. I hope you've had a good time enjoying the conversation that I'm having with myself and all of you. Um, remember to follow us on social media. We're at Mando underscore Vision on Twitter and Instagram. You can email the show at at gmail.com. Please be sure to like, subscribe, follow, and share this show with all the Mandalorians in your covert. Uh, if you're interested in supporting the show with some sweet five-star reviews, we are truly appreciative of those. They really do help small independent shows like us stand out, not get lost in the shuffle. And when you have something like 375 trillion Star Wars shows to listen to, we're so glad that you're here uh, and, and help other people find us too. We, we means the world to us. If you'd like to join Buckethead Nation and become a Mandavision Maniac, you can do that at patreon.com forward slash Mandavision. You can join the Maniacs and gain access to sweet bonus content, all kinds of bonus shows available right now for your listening pleasure. Thank you to our current Patreons, the Aspinal Chody, the Batman of Bayho, Jeff Nail, Jeff Scott of Ring, uh, the Ring in Your Podcast. Check it out. Thanks to Evil Circle, the evilest of all circles, the Squidmaster General Brian Broussard, the New Jersey Devil Mark Wegemer, the Beer Hop Brigadier General Jesus Beer Hops, the silent assassin, he who shall not be named, and Syndicate Ram, co-host of Come On, it's still good, and an occasional collaborator here on the Main Division podcast. Uh, and I'm sure we'll be back with him at some point in the near future as well. All right, Bucketheads, let's get out of here. Uh, I, I wait with bated breath for the next episode of Andor. And uh, in the meantime, if anyone uh, is working hard on those uh, stellar Stellan Skarsgård t-shirts, uh, send me a link. Because <laughs> you got my money. All right? So let's wrap this one up, Bucketheads. We will be back in the very, very near future. But you know this podcast can only end one way. This is the way. This is the way. This is the way. This is the way. I find that answer vague and unconvincing.